mercy, look at how Three, the time two, goes. And welcome everybody to this episode of the Seems Coming Home I'm Podcast so with John Allen. I am your humble host, John Allen. I just want to start off by giving you all some contact information. If you have any questions about my podcast, any suggestions, if you know of anyone that you would like to hear me speak with on my podcast, please send me an email, j-o-h-n at j-o-h-n-a-l-a-n-p-o-d, john at johnallenpod.com. Today, I am very happy to be speaking to this young brother. Uh, I haven't seen him since I had him and some friends of his over here in Norway uh, coming at us from New York City, Mr. John Stanley. How you doing, my friend? Hey, John. How are you? Hello, listeners. You know what? Thank you for waking up so early for me. You, you, <laughs> you are a musician now. A musician now. It's twelve noon in New York City. Before a musician, that's like that's 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 sunrise. Right. It's usually <laughs> sunrise, but you know, it's a. Uh, is one of those things I, I do a sleeping pattern that's crazy. So I have like three shifts. So the first one I'll, you know, I'll stay up until seven in the morning and then go to sleep. I don't get up till three. And then another one I'll go to sleep at one thirty at night and get up at 10. And it's just, you know, it varies. I think it's from traveling a lot. But you know what? That's not such a crazy way to do it. I've had periods in my life, you know, depending on my work schedule, I've kind of broken it up like that and sleep for, you know, three or four hours at a time, get up, be active, and then go back and get the other half of my sleep in. So it's not that right. unusual. Right. Well, you're lucky because usually once I'm up, that's it. It's oh, a wrap for me. <laughs> you know what? I could I could sleep at any time. If you were quiet right now for 10 minutes, I could go to sleep right now. I uh, so envy <laughs> you. <laughs> My father can do the same thing. He could drink three, three, four cups of coffee and go right to sleep. Oh, man. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I can't do it. You know, I, um, you are someone that I have so much respect for. You are living a lifestyle that I have not quite been able to reach myself and that lifestyle is the lifestyle of a working musician who is actually living off of music you are currently you are currently the music director for miss patty labelle yes sir how long have you had that gig um in music director probably the last 15 years but i started out as her background singer so we're coming up uh, we're coming up, actually, we should be here. We're at 30 years. 30 years. 30 years. I started I started as uh, just singing background. Yes, sir. See, and that fascinates me because there's not a lot of people who have a 30-year gig. You know, for, forget about the music industry. I'm talking about people who have worked at one job, period, right. for 30 years. And, right. you, you, and you're still young. You're not even 50 yet, are you? I'll be I'll be fifty in September. You'll be fifty in September, and you're twenty yep. uh, thirty years on the same job. That's amazing. Yes, sir. It's been you know she's one of those. Uh, Patty is one of those uh, people. You know, it's not just that she's my employer, but she is my friend and my uh, sister, mother sometimes. And uh, <laughs> but uh, you know when uh, she's the type of person that if you know if she likes if she likes you. You know, uh, you know, she wants to keep you. Yeah. And so that's and that's how it's generally been for the years. You know, it's been a kind of little running joke in the industry because a lot of acts, you know, they change 
album or CD concepts and they change certain things. So they'll keep a band together maybe a year and a half or two and right. they'll change it up. Right. She she wants to keep, you know, all of her good people because that's when she performs at her best. When she feels like, you know, she you know, like you are all, you you should know her that you all are in sync. Yeah, yeah. Well, you yeah. know, it comes off it comes off in her live performances. Uh uh, not just her live performance, but her band's live performance. You can hear that you all are tight. Um, the other artists in her band, or the other musicians in her band, I'm sorry, how long have they been in there? Are you the one that's been with her the longest? Now, the funniest thing is that I have not been with her um, the longest. I know Miss uh, wow. Debbie Henry, who is one of her background singers, and Brenda Roy, um, now they started out earlier with her. I think probably I have the most accumulation of consistent years. I see. But they, um, you know, at certain times, uh, Brenda Roy, uh, who's singing with us now, we have Brenda Roy, uh, B. Slade and Debbie Henry. Brenda Roy is a member of the Walter Hawkins family. And so she sings with, uh, you know, sang with them for years, still does. And, uh, Debbie... Uh, I can't not think of the artist. He's a piano man. Uh, I can't think of the man that she, she's been touring with. But, you know, it comes and goes. But, yeah, Debbie has, has done it probably the longest, and it's probably about 40, wow. 42, 43 years. But you've been there 30 years straight with no break. Wow. Yes, sir. Let, so I, took, I took a mini break for one year. Okay. I went back. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let, let me ask you this then, because again, that fascinates me that you've been in that same gig. And when I say same gig, I don't want it to sound, um, I don't want you to think, or I don't want my listeners to think that I'm trying to make it sound boring. Quite the opposite. Right, right. Miss Patty has, uh, she, she has a rather fluid style you know you can go uh -huh. all the way back to the 80s when she was doing uh you know movie gigs you know with the beverly hills right. cop and all that stuff with that sound but then you can go back to the 70s where she had a more of a pure soul r&b sound you can right. go back uh, go forward to where she is so she has this eclectic this very flowing style of music so i would imagine then that you and actually i know this i guess i'm saying this for my for the benefit mm -hmm. of my listeners but uh, you are also an all a multi-sided a multi-faceted musician you don't just play you don't just get down with one style of music right no um, i was no I, I do a whole array and i love i love almost all types of uh music so you know i'm interested in it all yeah. Now, where are your roots in music? What did you start out with? Take us back. Take us back to when. Okay, so when you started with Miss Patty, you were around nineteen, twenty years old. What uh -huh. were you doing to prepare yourself for that? You may not have known you were preparing for that, but you were. You know, the 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 wherever you set foot in, uh, first set foot in music was the first step, and then several steps later, here you are with Miss Patty. What? what right. Where did it start? Um, it started, uh, someone, uh, that was affiliated with my school, Go Morgan State Bears in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, somebody that was affiliated with the great music program that they had there, but he was an older classman, um, called and, uh, asked me, uh, if I could, you know, accompany some of his friends who I also knew the next day at an audition. 
for um, Patty and uh, Patty LaBelle. And I was like, oh my goodness. And they're like, and while you're there, you might as well audition too. So I went and it was like four of us and I was the only one that she actually chose out of the four that came up, but it was a lot of people, uh, quite a few people auditioning that day. Uh-huh. But um, but prior to but prior to doing the audition, um, I was doing musical a lot of musical theater, and I've always uh, kept the church job as well. So, you know, I'd go on the road and do this production for two or three months, and then I'd come back and I'd be minister of music at a church, okay, either in Baltimore or D.C. So, a lot, you know. Okay, so it started in the church, in other words. It started, it started in the church, but as you were talking about, uh, I know I'm maybe, hopefully I'm not jumping around too much for you. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. About the, mus- the musical history, I grew up um, in, uh, right outside of Richmond, Virginia, a little farming town called Goochland County, Virginia. Goochland and, County. Uh, now that's a, southern, that's a southern name for a town, if there ever was one. Goochland. Goochland. <laughs> and, all, and not all the residents call it Goochland. Okay, there you go. There's that local that local dialect coming in. So I so I grew up basically um, in I grew up in a all white family, although I'm biracial. Um, but I grew up in an all white family, and we. How did that happen? Explain that. Let me just get you on a little sidetrack here, because okay. that's an interesting well, thing to say. Yeah, I, I grew up in a biracial family. And um, I'll just say without putting my parents' business out there a little bit too much that, um, uh, you know, sometimes things happen and uh, I see. But I see. you make up for it. I see. <laughs> and you get past it and you keep moving. There you go. Amen. But that, Amen. But that, be, but that being said, I could have uh, grew up in a, in a more loving home of uh, both parents. But we were listening to bluegrass and, you know, and... Uh, Country music, Hank Williams Jr., Ricky Skaggs, The Judds, Loretta okay. Lynn, Conway Twitty. And then we had 45s, and sometimes we would be listening to Marvin Gaye. We would be listening to The Supremes. We were listening to... So it was just a whole eclectic mix. Now, that kind of mirrors my musical background. Um, my mother was and is very much into the the gospel singing uh, the old school 60s and 70s R&B and soul, you know, Gladys uh, Knight, uh, uh, yeah. even up to Anita Baker, you know, up into the 80s. It seems like my mother's taste kind of stopped in the 80s, though. So let's say Anita Baker is the most recent uh-huh. artist that she likes. Uh, so so I had that, you know, that, that black gospel soul R&B thing. But then where I grew up was way out in rural Ohio, uh, uh-huh. predominantly white. So there comes the rock influence uh-huh. that's um, definitely you yeah definitely so 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 it's that mix there so you had a little bit of that mix with more of a foundation in the country uh rural type of music thing but also with the with the you know with the gospel the soul and r&b thing yeah it um and the, and the funny thing about back then is that um my parents went to um when, when I would go to church with my parents, they were Methodist and Baptist, and both those churches were basically 100% white. And um, I didn't start getting the gospel experience until I, I started playing piano um, at the age of, I was a late starter at the age of 10. 
And uh, someone that I went to school with said, hey, um, and this is at the African-American church that was probably a mile down um, the street from me where I lived. And they said, uh, we need somebody to play for our youth choir. They said, and um, you play well enough. Would you like to do it? And and so that was my introduction. And how old were you then? I was 10. 10, okay. Yeah, and then I started doing that, and I eventually... Before I left to go to college, I was playing for every choir. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Did that music sense, did, did that skill on the piano and that skill with your voice, because you know, you're, you're talking about piano playing, but you're a fantastic vocalist. We're going to talk about that as well. But did that come easily to you? Was it a natural thing or did you have to work at it? Can you remember work. back then? Yeah, I definitely can. I remember I, uh, if it had not been for my parents, like, I love, love, love playing the piano. Uh-huh. And I actually love to sing, but I would only do it, like, I wouldn't practice it as a skill. I would just do it around the house. And my parents were pushing me. They said, you should sing. You have a, you have a really good voice. And so, um, you know, I would say that piano comes to me more naturally than singing. Really? Um but I had to work for everything that I got for the singing thing. And, uh, and so for those people out there who think that, you know, if your, if your range is, if you had five notes, cause I think I started out with five, <laughs> stretch those chords. They will move. They will move. Because it is a physical training thing. People don't understand that, that singing is physical. It's not just something you do. It's something you really have to train yourself up to. It's a right. physical exertion. It, it, it definitely is. And the, and the things that you have to do. Uh, and sometimes I'm not so good at it either. But uh, people don't understand with people uh, who are in theater or who are just in music in general. If you are a singer, um, some of the things that an artist preparing for concerts or the roles have to do so that you can get the optimal performance you know, yeah. when you come to see them. And that's, you know, that's to say, like, if they finish a concert one night in uh, Ak- Akron, Cleveland, Ohio, and they have to go to Norway the next day and then <laughs> sing when they get off right off the plane. Well, of course, there's, you know, there's not going to be any drinking. There's not going to be any of that. You've got to get your rest and you've got to drink your tea. And it's it's a whole regimen that you go through. Yeah, you know, um it's it's almost like you know I, I as as an athlete and as a musician slash performer I melt those two worlds together. Um, success in either one has uh-huh. to do with repetition, training. In other words, uh-huh. you know, right. you, you're not just going to be a strong powerlifter. You have to train at that. You're not just going to be a talented musician, or you may have the talent, but you can lose your skills if you don't work at that. So to me, those two worlds are symbiotic. I can melt them together and imply those. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I was going to ask you about that today because I was wondering, because, you know, we often, we often um, are likened to or uh, like others that we see something in ourselves that we may not have. Yes. Yeah. Or may, you know, and it's not, and we both like, you know, I go to the gym, but not, not like you, but, uh, and, you know, and uh, I do, mu- I do music for Patty. You still do music and write and do this, but we just do it in different veins or whatever. Right. But it's always, there's, you know, it doesn't have to be the complete person. Like, you know, it's not an obsession. Like, 
I just got to be like John. You know, everything has to be no. So but, we know, both like so we both walk around saying I want to be like John. <laughs> right. Everybody but, else in America I want to be like Mike, but you know. I think I told you this when you were here in Norway that that you are living the life that I aspire to live as far as music goes. You know, like I said when we started this conversation now, you you are in a position where music is your livelihood. Uh, I'm in a position where Yes, I'm writing, I'm singing, I'm performing, recording and all that stuff, but it's not at a level where I can do just that. If uh -huh. I could have things the way I wanted, I would be I would be I would be I would be doing what you're doing, exactly well, the way you're doing it. Well, I guess my biggest question and and I thought about this when I talked to you because um we've kept in touch through the years, but sometimes we don't talk uh in depth. But I, I really wondered today, because I, I wanted to ask you yeah. how like you said, you can melt those worlds together. But um, I'll just say this. I know you have a large family. I know that you do the weight uh, lifting as a professional uh -huh. um, uh, bodybuilder. Uh, power, lifter. I, power lifter. Power lifter. There you go. Yeah. You knew I'd be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but power but power lifter. And, um, you know, you as far as, you know, when I came to Norway, you were one of the men, like it, it, wherever we went, everyone knew John. <laughs> and so I'm just wondering, though, and I've, I've seen some of your uh, recordings and, and some of your performances, and I'm just wondering, how do you do it all? And how I couldn't even excel, I don't think, at maybe I could excel at one of those things, maybe like the family life would be perfect. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. but the music and the weightlifting would go off. How do you do that? Wow. I'm going to try and make this a not too long of an answer, but it's going to be in depth. Um, the family thing, you know, I have... I have my beautiful wife Snoopy. She tells me to tell you hello. I call her Snoopy. Her yes. name's her name. Yeah, you know what her name is. But I, ca yes. I call her Snoopy on the air. Um, so she says to tell me hi, uh, and I tell you, the key to me being able to balance all of these interests that I have is her. Uh huh. I have quite a few friends who also are powerlifters, but they have that wife or that girlfriend who doesn't support their powerlifting or doesn't understand their uh -huh. desire to be a powerlifter. I also have musician friends who have that wife or that girlfriend that uh -huh. doesn't fully support their musical endeavors. Right, right. And I am blessed to have a wife who not only does she support me in my efforts, you know, to, to, to expand my music and to, to, uh, to grow as a powerlifter, she doesn't just support it. She actually, if I'm having a day where I might want to, I'm supposed to write, I'm supposed to have a uh -huh. writing session, but I want to drop it. She, she's real good at making fun of me. She's real good at making me think. Uh -huh. She's that conscience on my shoulder and she'll make me go in and do that writing session. Or if I want to skip a powerlifting workout, she uh -huh. will shame me into, <laughs> you know, she might walk by me and grab a, you know, grab a little, little chunky section that's hanging. Hey, you better, you better get in the gym, you know? So she pushes me uh, mm. to do these things. Um, so it goes beyond support. Um, right. Right. I'm, I've, I've been wanting to write a book. Uh, -huh. uh, for years. And I've started that project several times and stopped. But every time I take it up again, it's because she 
has pushed me and motivated me to do that. So she's my muse. She's my motivator. And when you have a spouse, a boyfriend, a girlfriend who supports your efforts to make yourself happy, then things just have a, they just have a way of falling into place. I'm doing this podcast because of her. She's been telling me for years I should do a podcast. That's so, amazing. yeah, you know, so, so I, I can sit here in my studio and, and interview good people like you and not feel guilty for not being with my family because, well, my you know, f- that could, that could easily go, I'm sorry, I was going to say, you know, that could easily with a wife or a girlfriend could go another way. Oh, absolutely. Like in, other wor- in other words, uh, you know, the, the little jiving or ribbing mm-hmm. that she may give you. Some men, you know, just depends on, I guess, the connection with whomever is in a relationship, marriage or whatever you want to call it. Uh, But it could easily go a different way because some men would be like, I don't (laughs) want her saying, you know, it would turn into resentment. Yeah. And and I think it it goes back to the to the roots of my relationship with her. Um, It's 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 about mutual support and. Uh we share we share the same interests we share the same sense of humor and the things that motivate me also motivate her so right. so you know it's 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 just a good fit it's a good we've good. been we've been together for 20 years now and and uh-huh. it's it's it gets better every day i mean that sounds like a cliche no but that's it, great man but that's it's e- it's the truth yoked. yeah you know and it's and it's the, she is the reason why i'm able to do these things with a clear conscience um but but so, so I'm very busy with a lot of different things. Yes, that's true. But having said that, my, I know, I know you mentioned, you know, when we, when you were here in Norway, everybody knew who I was. I, I have a lot of people who I know. A lot of uh-huh. people know me, but my circle of friends is small. Right. And, you know, when I have free time from these things that I do, uh, I would say that probably 95% of that free time is family time. Right, right. You see what I'm saying? So if yeah. I don't have a stand-up gig or a music gig or a writing session or a podcast episode, you know, nine and a half times out of ten, I'm I'm with my family. So right, I right. so it allows me to be busy but still be the husband and father. Yeah, that's awesome, man. It is, and and and, and the only reason, and and I have to ask you about this though. I know you would have asked me questions, but I, I do have to ask you about this. Sure, on the sure. Pow- on the powerlifting side, though, yeah, that to me, you know, and I've been trying to do it. First of all, I've been I've been wanting to do it. That was one of my goals I wanted to get to before fifty, and it may still be late. Not not powerlifting, but just getting a more optimal, I guess, uh, change your body composition, body composition, right. more muscle, and, um, less fat. Right, right, and all and and all of that, and you know, and I don't have to be. And that don't have to uh, be, uh, you know, uh, the pinup man of the year. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't have to be Mr. GQ or the sexiest man. Alive. No, I don't have to. But it's just something that you want to be as a personal best. But I look at uh, some of those, uh, 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 some of the regimens that the power lifters and, uh-huh. and some of the weight, uh, the, you know, the bodybuilders, bodybuilders yeah. go through. Just the food alone. I, I yeah. just can't. I can't even uh, imagine. It's like you know. Well, if we were back in Goochland County, we would call it uh, <laughs> giving uh, what you call it slapping the hogs, because <laughs> that's how much food you have to eat to keep all of this massive energy and those gains going. Well, but let me, let me clear something up. Okay, when you look at uh, especially prof- professional bodybuilders, 
Um, first of all, those guys are using performance enhancing drugs, mm -hmm. which both requires and enables them to eat, you know, maybe three times the calories that you and I would need to eat to function. Right. So if you remove the performance enhancing drugs from the picture there, uh, you will be required to eat less. You, you, you will not have to eat as much food as those guys. So the eating uh -huh. thing becomes more normalized, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and also the training aspect, you know, when those guys are on performance enhancing drugs, they are sometimes training twice a day for a couple, uh -huh. three hours each session. You wouldn't need that. I could get you in shape eating, you know, three to four times a day, maybe even once or twice a day. I could get uh -huh. you into shape and you could be training or working out for an hour to an hour and a half. And that's not wow. crazy. That's not crazy. You have time no, for that's, that. That's doable. It's doable. And it can totally change your body composition. Right. You know, I could get you, you know, I could get you to where, you know, and you don't want to be this big, you know, muscle bound guy, but it can right. drastically change your body composition. I'm a couple years older than you. I'm well, a year older. I'm 51 now. And I'm uh -huh. still getting a better physique i'm still getting stronger so it's doable and it's not that crazy really and, i could get you, you know, I, 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 could, I, I could get I, you to where you'd be sitting on stage with miss patty and instead of wearing a suit i'll have you in short sleeves and a vest right right <laughs> because right. you got that because you got that look and i've and i've and i've had that before but the funny thing you is, have you have is I've seen I, I really i really do know but my weight goes up and down but i was going to sure. say i really do know what to do it's just that oftentimes, like most most people, we know what to do and what we're doing wrong. We just don't want to do it. it. It's all up here in the head. <laughs> it's all up in the mind. But the thing is, but isn't it true that once you, you know, if you can just stick it out for maybe that first month and then you see those results and it's like, right. hey, this isn't That's a struggle. Right. It's no longer a struggle. It becomes mo every time you train, every time, every meal that you eat, it becomes motivation. Yeah. So, it, it's it's like that with any diet or is. anything. It is. You know, you get over that first week or that first four days, and then you know it kind of clicks in. <laughs> you should take but, up uh, a, you should take up an online coach, somebody that will hold you accountable. Do that. You know, it it, it can be expensive, but if you just pay for the first month to have an right, online right. coach who maybe lays out the training program, lays out the diet for you and holds you accountable. A good online coach will hold you accountable by right. demanding that you send training video, for example, or demand right. that you send uh, that reading from your scale, your way in every day. Right. And right. then they follow up with a phone call once or twice a week. That should be enough to get you over that hump that first month. And then, and then it's off to the races after that, because you have a good physique. I've seen you, you know, everybody's weight goes up and down, but I've seen you, man. And you, you look, you know, you, you pretty tight. So you can get that physique. You can get that yeah, physique. If you just get over that hump. It's, it's just, it's just difficult right now, yeah. especially here in New York with the uh, coronavirus, because yeah, nobody man. is, I mean, the gym, we, I thought the gym was opening with phase two. Yeah. And on the very first day, I was calling at 8.30 in the morning. Yeah. And then I called at 9 and 9.30. Nobody is answering. I don't know when that's going to happen. You know, how big is your how big is your apartment there? Do you have room to get any kind of training equipment in your house? No, oh. I can't. I can. Um, actually, 
I'm looking at a table and I'm saying to myself, I should have just bought the elliptical machine or the treadmill <laughs> instead of the table. Because <laughs> instead of instead of this table, but you know, New York apartments are um, they're not are the smaller. biggest. Yeah, no. Um, but yeah, uh, but I do. I have started in the last two or three weeks um, doing um, running in place and okay. and uh, and doing some things. On you know, I roll my rug up on the floor here in the living room and uh-huh. just go and do some things because I realized that if I don't do this, I am going to be so far from where I need to be when <laughs> we act, when we actually have to get back out in society. You know, and uh, along those lines, do you ever stress? I mean, I know, you know, everyone has a certain amount of, of uh, or they have a standard that they set for themselves as far as their physical condition and their appearance and whatnot. Do you find yourself ever in a situation where you're stressing about that because you are so um, visible in Miss Patty's band? Is that ever an issue? Um, you know what I mean? Where you have to stress, yeah. you stress about what kind of condition you're in or how you look. Oh, yeah. It, I think that just goes along that goes along um, with the job, doesn't it? It it kind of goes along with the job because most people, and uh, and as you know this because you do entertainment uh, as well, uh, but you know most people they are looking. You've got to have a gimmick or a look, and this is not just for this is not just for somebody who is the actual main artist. Even the people that back you up on stage, yeah, you know, they want you know Patty looks beautiful she comes out and she goes all out and uh how old is she, she now by the way i'm sorry how she, old is she because she does not look i don't know exactly what her age is but she doesn't look it <laughs> she just turned 76 in may that and is, she has more she has more i just was with her this past week for two days and she has more energy than you me <laughs> and 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 somebody else put together i think she is so amazing she i think that she looks so young because she's happy. I believe that that is a reflection of her happiness and satisfaction with life. Is that a fair yes. thing to say? Oh, no, that's definitely a fair. Yeah, that's definitely a fair thing to say. And, uh, you know, if and if there's something that is actually taking the joy from her, like the rest of us, you know, I guess some of us stay in whatever, uh, whatever situation it is and get stagnant. But no, she, you know, she removes it and she just likes to stay she likes she likes to be happy. I would say you like to be happy as well. I love when you post your little live stream uh, uh, things. <laughs> um, sometimes you're out for a walk or something and you're talking with the people as they check in. Sometimes right, you're right. sitting in your apartment and, and playing the piano. And the things that you say and the way you say it and the look of enjoyment and peace on your face... Is this a fair thing to say that John Stanley is a happy man? I am. Um, I, I'm, I'm happy in my pretty much in my everyday life. Uh, uh-huh. The only thing that stresses me and would stress my happiness is um, not having. And of course, nobody knows where we're going to end up in the future. No, no. you know, Um we don't know anything, and right now at this at this such a uh, it's such an uncertain time with everything that has been very stressful. I you know? I've been sitting here, you know, lucky lucky for me, uh, I'm I'm very blessed in that I have several 
sets of legs that I can stand on. You know, if the, uh-huh. if the music isn't happening, I've got my podcast. If that's not happening, I've got stand up. If that's not happening, I at least have a writing gig. I, I just got a new writing gig a couple of days ago. Another band wants an album. So that uh, is awesome. Oh, I, I love it. And it's so, that, that is such a fulfilling thing for me to do. But, but so, so I have all these different, you know, areas that I can delve into, but you, everything has been on stop. Everything has been on hold with this COVID yeah. situation. How are you yeah. dealing with that? What are you, what are you doing with your time now? Um, well, it's, it's like you said, everything has stopped. And really at one point it's literally been, it, it, it's literally stopped for four months yeah. of our, of our lives. And literally the only thing you could do in terms of uh, just day to day living would be, you know, go to the grocery store, put the mask on, and they weren't asking you to do that. And then it was, uh, you can go for exercise and running with that mask on outside is just, oh, it's just, <laughs> it's just the worst. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, um, doing, um, you know, getting um, some musical ideas for, uh, from um, some friends about what we wanted to do in the future. But the really crazy thing is like you said, um, you really can't, you know, there's really nothing that we could really do except on the creative side if you wanted to write something. I haven't done that much writing, but we've okay. been coming up with ideas about when when things start again, you know, how we will act and be. Yeah. So it's, the, it's, now when you talk about cold. when you talk about writing, are you talk, are you talking about writing for your own project or, or, or under the, 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 the project that is Miss Patty? You ever, um, have you ever written with her? No, I, and I, I wrote a song a while ago and I forgot uh, I forgot what happened with that, but I've never really brought that to fruition and um, I should because everybody says, well, you know, you're the magic fit for her, so you should be able to. But, you know, the funny thing is, is that it's just sometimes it's, it's just not that easy. Oh, I, believe me, <laughs> I understand that. <laughs> and, and it's easier to write a song if you just write it full out. And, and the song is what it is. Yeah. And whoever's voice that will sing. But sometimes I'm just going to be honest. Yeah, we, we say that, you know, uh, Patti LaBelle. Whitney Houston, Michael Jackson, God rest their souls, and, and but whoever else, all of these fine singers, they can sing anything, and yes, they can. But the 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 real thing that we get into in the industry is 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 that song right for you? Exactly. You know what I mean? I, I do know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. You, you could have you the may, greatest. You can sing anything. But yeah, you, yeah. Yeah. You could have the it greatest voice in the. Yeah. You could have the greatest voice in the world, but I do believe that along with the voice comes the the personality or the image and a yeah. song can be totally wrong for that personality or image. It definitely can. It definitely can <laughs> be wrong. And sometimes it won't, it won't come to, uh, I know that, uh, over the years they have really tried to, I think this was before, uh, when they were doing, um, the movie Moulin Rouge with, uh, Christina yeah. and, um, yeah. little Kim and all of those. And they were, uh, Puffy had made a, um, Puffy had did a version of Lady Marmalade and wanted Patty to do it. Uh-huh. And she got it and she was like, I just can't do it. I can't see it. She <laughs> said, I, can't, I just can't. 
And and that's not the only one that she's been sent. She's been sent several, but I do remember Puffy's one. And it's not that his wasn't good. It's just that it it didn't fit. Yeah, it yeah. just didn't fit. Let me ask you this, John. Um, you know, I I sing your praises. I've been doing that since 2015. Since I first got oh, to man, know you, I've been singing. I've been singing your praises to to every musician friend that I have here in Norway. And one thing that I have always wondered, I've never I've never asked you this, but one thing I've always wondered is, and I know you're satisfied. I know you found love. I know you found a family situation with Miss Patty and and her project. But right. where where is the John Stanley solo album? Because John, you. You, you, it's in you. <laughs> you have that in you. So, so where is it? <laughs> well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you. I did. I've had. Uh, it's one of these things. It's like life, um, and some of your obstacles that you have in life. My, my singing thing is uh, a little on the shelf. I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna dust that shelf off really soon. <laughs> but um, I did do a solo album. Uh, once before, but it was something that I produced myself. And um, uh, I was able to get on, uh, which here in America is a big show. Um, it's not on, it, no longer on anymore in, I think, maybe the last four years. But Bobby Jones Gospel had been on for at least 25, oh, 30 yeah, years. Of course, of every course. Every Sunday. And um, and uh, they put me on the show and I did the single, but the music industry and it and the actual single was hot. It was actually a hot single uh -huh. called All, All Right. Um, but the thing is, is that everyone in the business and I know a lot of people behind the scenes, everyone that promised me um, they were going to play it on their radio station, that they were going to do this, they were going to do that after I recorded it. They did nothing with it. It became a my CD became a doorstopper. I tell you, and I I, <laughs> I, I, can, I I feel you on that. I I am not I'm not half the musician you are, but I've also I wouldn't say that at all. Well, <laughs> well, thank you. You're being too kind. But I've also been in that situation where someone of influence tells you they love you, they love your gig, they're going to do this for you, they're going to, and then it just nothing happens i couldn't there are many things i was telling somebody one day if i write i couldn't there there's there's no way i could write a book and still operate like i, I operate <laughs> in the music industry i would have to be uh i'd have to be you know very very old and in a retirement home because <laughs> i would because i'd be blacklisted but oh, there's so man. many so many names and this was a this was a basically a gospel song that could be pinned as a crossover okay. song to you know uh -huh. and uh and the and just some of the biggest names in 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 front of the mic and behind the scenes i got nothing wow Butterflies. but you got excited but you got excited for a minute i can imagine that that kind of feedback really lifted you up it did it, it did but i realize now that uh, you know, and young people should really realize this, too, is that just because you you may have sang in your home church or you sing around your family and, you know, or danced or whatever your whatever your um, art is, you know, they like it and and they like it because not to say that you're not good. You probably are good, but they like it is because you are who you are. 
when you go to a big metropolitan city like uh, Washington, D.C., New York, Chicago, L.A., anywhere, you're going to find out that, you know, <laughs> mama's little cute little baby wasn't the only one that had talent. Right, right. <laughs> and and that's the thing. And I would imagine <clears throat> there's a lot of people, young and old, who are talented and could make it if they were only given the shot. And they don't get the shot because... Unfortunately, on top of the talent aspect, there's also this thing called marketability. Yeah. And if the if the fat cats in the suits in the offices don't think you're marketable, it could be your look, it could be who knows what it could be. But if they don't right. think you're marketable, it doesn't matter how much you, talent you have, you're not going to be you're not going to be the one that they promote. You're not going to be the one who gets the exposure. No. Sad fact. And it, Sad fact. Yeah. It, it, it really is. It has um, sometimes it has, you know, sometimes it is talent, but there's a lot of times, uh, as I'm sure you have witnessed, where somebody, you know, I, um, I'll just I'll just say this. Uh, and this is one person I've never met, but I will say this. But um, Madonna was one of those people when she came out and I love uh, her music and I love her tenacity of how she has, you know, driven herself in the industry yeah. and became, you know, the name. Yeah. But on an honest, on an honest tip, and uh, vocally, she really doesn't do it for me no. as a singer. But she, but she could sing, and she had enough talent uh, at, at, with dance experience, and, and she had a look. She had a look, and she had a personality that, you know, all those things together. That's a package. And that sold millions and millions and millions. And, and so, you know, it's not always about being able to sing or play the greatest. But sometimes you, I, I'm, I look at people like that and I admire them. Sure. Because of their stick to Sure, absolutely. Her, her music does nothing for me. It never has. However, uh -huh. I respect the living daylights out of her because look at her longevity and look at what she has achieved. She knows how to market herself. And she was fortunate in the beginning that she had that strong personality and she basically forced the industry to let her in. And that is to be yes, respected. That is to be respected. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I like uh, I like looking at your social media feed or some of your older pictures, and and I see you standing beside some extremely well known celebrities and musicians, and uh -huh. it fits. You belong there. You belong in those pictures. It's not like oh, you're wow. perpetrating some something that you're not. You and and this is what this is why I say, and my wife as well. You know, like I said, we talk about you a lot, and and both of us just have this strong feeling that that. You know, John Stanley is doing great things as it is, but John Stanley should also have that 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 solo thing, that solo effort that brings him the the, the recognition that he deserves. Where I really witnessed your your um, your broad musical abilities was when you came here to Norway in 2015. Uh huh. Okay, December 2015. You're on a flight on your way to Norway. Talk to me about yes. that. Talk to me about that. Oh my goodness! Well, <laughs> I couldn't even believe before we got on the flight. Of course, um, and I know I'm gonna say his his name wrong. There's two names for Jonas 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 Feld. Jonas Feld. Yeah, and we we called him Terje. Tarje. Yeah. 
Tadier. Yeah, Tadier. Well, the I J, the J is like a Y. The J is like a Y. You guys would say Tadier, but it should be Tadier. But but yeah, Tadier. Say Tadier. Tadier. Well, he uh, actually we had, were on a conference call, and uh, he heard uh, some of the group members for the choir that I work with here in New York, along with Terrence Talley, which is uh, the East Coast inspirational singers. And he was like, if you have like four guys that can come over and sing and you, you know, well, you and, know who and put that, sing with me. You know who put that thought in his head, right? I'm sure. <laughs> I think I have a good clue. <laughs> I, I had a, to him. I had a writing gig with him and then I don't know, something just clicked. I was, I was, uh, I had been in contact with Terrence and he and I go way back. Our families knew each other before we were even born. He and I, um, uh-huh. and I was talking to, uh, to Jonas and I said, Hey, what if, and right. I just I and, and I I sent him the link to East Coast Inspirational Singers um Facebook page, I believe. Uh-huh. And then he called me back a couple of days after that and said, I want to talk to these fellas. Right. And right. then that's how that's how the whole thing and, that's how the whole thing got started. But you had him on that conference call. Yeah, I had him on the conference call and he was just excited about doing the shows and he wanted to do these uh shows that were I think it was right before, I believe the shows were either right before or right after Christmas. It was before Christmas, correct? Right after Christmas. I think the so first, right show, first show was on the 26th. It's a, it's a yearly tradition that he has. He'll, he'll do this run of shows, four or five dates in right. between Christmas and New Year. Yeah, that's what that's what I remembered, like five or six shows yeah. that we did. And I, I think we did a matinee once or twice, too. But yes, yeah, they were all sold out. We got yes. excellent we got excellent reviews, but just being able to come to Norway because I had never been to Norway and see the beautiful countryside to see all the snow and, <laughs> and, but just to experience something different and the people could have not been more hospitable. And, um, it was, you know, it was a wonderful, I, w- I was so waiting to go back again and one day maybe it will, um, will happen again. I but think it will. But just don't chide me about the lamb. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, me being the jokester that I was, I think, I think, like in the weeks up up until you guys came, I sent uh, I sent everybody a whole series of pictures. There's this one dish that they have. It is the head of a lamb. If you can imagine this, mm-hmm. and it's grilled the entire. And when I say the head, I'm talking the head with the teeth. The nose, the mouth, the eye. Yeah, it's nasty. Ah. Everything. And then they try to pretty it up with, uh, with uh, you know, baked potatoes and, and a salad around it. But it is okay. the head of a lamb. And they do eat that here. I don't like any of Now, that sounds like something my mother would eat. And I don't like any of that. I don't want to see a. I don't want to see fish head. I don't want to see a boar's head, a lamb's. If head. it's looking at me, I'm probably not going to dare to eat it. Now, now I don't know if Terrence uh, or or you'll confess, you know, cop to this, but I don't know if it's Terrence did it or you did it. But one of you sent out prior to our trip coming, maybe about a month out before we came to Norway, sent a uh, text message. It was a picture of a farmer standing next to a shepherd standing next to this huge uh, woolly uh, lamb and uh, almost full grown. They said, oh, they're preparing him for when you come over. I did that. I'm and sorry. I did that. <laughs> <laughs> 
See, and the funny thing about it was, and the funny thing about it, you know, I don't know, you know, maybe some of y'all thought, understood I was only kidding, but there was one of y'all, Mr. Hamilton Landrum, who I think he believed, I I think he truly thought that that is the type of food that was going to be served. And what was so funny is after the premiere night, if you remember, we went to Jonas Feld's house. Yes. And they were serving up food. And I said to Hamilton, I said, just talk to me before you stick your fork in anything. And he he was ready. He was ready to just walk to the airport and go home. <laughs> oh, my God. No, it was it was great. And I'm going to tell you, though, lamb uh, and it has nothing to do with Norway. But uh, back in the day I had uh, and this was like when I was maybe 1920 and I was living in Baltimore. I had a uh, I had a gyro with yeah. lamb. And I had food poisoning for two yeah, weeks, hey. and it was rough. And I have not liked lamb since. I don't do lamb either. I just can't do it. No, no, I don't. I don't like the taste. No, no. I've wow. been in Norway. I've been in Norway for eighteen, almost nineteen years. But I eat as American as I can. I just don't. I, uh-huh. I can't get down with their food over here. I just can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> well, hey, listen. It's not well. <laughs> Uh, obviously, you're finding food somewhere else, and I know your wife is a wonderful, wonderful cook because you all hosted John, us John, over your house. John Stanley, she's a horrible cook. I'm the one that cooks the food here. I did not marry my wife because she can cook, and she knows oh, that. Oh my goodness! So I'm not talking. Oh, no. I'm not talking out of turn here. She is a terrible <laughs> cook. She she so, she'll burn water if you don't keep an eye on her. She'll burn water. So so the day that I came over to <laughs> I your made house, that. I made that food. You made yes, all of it. Yes, I okay. did. Because I figured she was in the kitchen and, and no. we were out there, and, no. I, and you know she was setting the table. So I no, she's she probably had, no. I think she was in the garage changing the tires on the car that day. <laughs> so I did all the cooking. <laughs> uh, much love and respect to your wife. Ah, we love her. I, I tease because I love. I tease because I love. No, but, but she I'll, would. T- she would tell me that though, right? If I, if we she, I think, her, I, she, yeah, I, I think she would tell you. I think she would admit that she's not that great of a cook. She really isn't. And and I do uh-huh. do most of the cooking. I've been cooking since I was seven years old. You know, standing at my uh-huh. mother's at my mother's side. So I, I know right, how to right. cook, and I love cooking. Right. And thank goodness for that, because there'd be some hungry people in here. Right, right. <laughs> you would be. <laughs> so, so 2015, uh, and, and I tell you, man, I, I the, the, the fun, the fun of those shows, you know, and, and the joy of getting to meet you face to face, it still resonates today. Uh, right. pe- people still, every once in a while, I run into people who, who remember those shows uh-huh. And they ask about you and Terrence and everyone else in the, in the East Coast inspiration. So you guys made an impression here. But with the, with the music business being what it is and with me having limited influence, if we can say that, it yeah. hasn't happened that we've been able to get y'all out here again. But it, is, right. it has been in my mind ever since then that y'all need to come back here in some kind of constellation um preferably with Jonas Feld again but if not with him then with somebody because you guys made such an impression here the, i mean those right. i think you got five stars on every night in the we local did. in the local news yeah the, and the people were so uh receptive and loved yeah. us i mean it was it was wonderful and uh we really i think we've just had one you know uh event after another happen where it just you know, it was automatically talk of us coming back, but uh, there was this one thing after another with yeah. record companies and so forth, the managers, and things happened that we did not get back. Unfortunately. We were ready to. 
And I, I would say we would probably still be ready to come, you know, if well, uh, something happened. I will, I will say this, you know, uh, Jonas is, is a friend of mine. You know, we're not tight. We're not super close, but, but, uh, right. uh I love him. He loves me and, and we have worked together before and I have not lost the hope that something can be done with those live recordings. Right, right. Uh, and, and, and get those released and, and get those out there to the people. I know he wants to do it. He said that he wants to do it. Um, right. He's doing his thing with Judy Collins now. Uh -huh. um, so, so he's busy, but, but, but he's, I know he's still thinking about that project from 2015. Right, right. So those recordings are still there. It's just a matter of, I don't know if there's some things that we need to be adjusted or what, but, but I know he wants to do something with that. Yeah, we've been looking for either doing, you know, another concert series with him or do, you know, there's been talk about, um, like you said, going in the studio and just cleaning. Because whenever you do a live recording, and I don't care who, who it is, if you're going to put out a professional recording, there's always tweaking yes, um, yeah, to yeah. be done, you know, to to a lot of things. So, um, but, you know, if it happens, I'm, uh, we, I, I'd be all for it. It was just so, for me, it was pretty cool. It was amazing to see you perform with them um, because I know his band. I know those musicians. I, I've played with some of them. Uh, uh -huh. I've done a lot of, uh, a lot of writing with, uh, with the drummer, Kato, Kato Christensen. Uh, uh -huh. So I know those guys and I'm like, how, okay, I had this idea in my head about how it would be. And of course, Jonas Feld had his idea, but nobody really knew how it was going to be. But I was there that first day when you guys rehearsed after you got off the plane. And right. I just knew that was it, it was the perfect mix, you know, because you, you all brought the the gospel and the soul with your voices. And then, of course, you with your piano plan and you melted it. You guys just melted it right in with his kind of rusty uh rock slash country type of thing and it just folk, fit uh -huh. folk yeah and it just yeah. and it just fit so that that that's where i'm getting that's what i'm getting at when i talk about your flexibility as as a musician and you functioned uh -huh. as, you functioned as a musical director for those shows as well right yeah um it was pretty, fun for me to watch much. you it was fun it was it was an informative thing it was a learning experience for me to watch how you rehearsed with them and just see you in action Man, let me let me tell you, I'm I'm going to be honest, but I have to say it the way I feel though. But you were so accommodating during that time, too too accommodating to me because <laughs> I, I know that I know that at that at that time um, you were un, you know a little under. I, oh, I, would say I was a lot very under sick. With your, I had pneumonia with, big time. Thank you yeah. for saying it. And he kept coming out. Because he wanted to make sure we were good, and you know the air is like it's it's so crisp. It's wintertime. There's snow on the ground, and the it, it was just like crazy um, <laughs> conditions. Sometimes I'm like, why is this man here? <laughs> Stay home. Get in the bed. You need to be rest. I, I, but I thought I, I, there's literally like two days when I said that man. I think that man may die because we're here. <laughs> I've had I've had several runs with pneumonia before, but I think that is the worst run of pneumonia I've ever had in my life. But I was but I was on fire for the project. I was just so glad to have you know put that 
whisper in in uh, Jonas Fjeld's ear and 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 play my part in making it happen. And I just wanted to I just wanted to make sure it happened. That's all. Hey, well, not only I mean, not only did you do that though, but you wanted to make sure that we were okay. Yes. As well, you yes. know. So you came and made sure we knew where to go. We could get something to eat. Yeah. We could do this and do that. You just made sure. So uh, we appreciate you. We'll never forget you oh, for uh, that. That's love, my friend. That's love. Hey, hey. appreciate you, brother. <laughs> love you, man. Yeah, hey, back at you. Like I said, we talk about you on a, on a regular basis here. You you are not forgotten in this home, not at all. Hey, well, listen. Hopefully, with uh, you know the right now, we I've said it a couple of times, but not in depthly though. But uh, this world situation with the coronavirus is so bad. It is, and um, and for performing artists. And uh, of which I'm one, you're one. But for people who do it as a as a living, it's just a, a nightmare right now. Um, yeah. And and there's no, there is no, you know, this is the same for uh, people who play professional sports, uh, soccer, football, yeah. NBA, yeah. all of that. Um, until they find a vaccine. Um, we're not, you know, we're probably not looking at doing any concerts. Everything will be virtual or something that's recorded in the studio because <clears throat> I'll put it to you this way. No, uh, no building or, or, um, different, uh, event center will book a concert or have you come and they have to sit, you know, you're, you're losing at least. 50% of your space in terms of, you know, selling seats. Right. You cannot be one by one. It's right. like you got to be every fourth seat over. There's yeah. no way they're not, they're going to recoup that money in order to have that artist and pay the artist fee and all of that. These are rough times in the music business. And I am, uh, I mean, it, it's going to work itself out, but I think there's going to be more frustration. There's going to be more lost gigs. There's going to be a lot of, music productions uh whether it's an, an an individual artist or a band project that are going to go under before yeah. you know before things settle into this into a new reality uh, it's right. rough man it's, it's rough out there it's rough and in america here we um well i'm <laughs> I, I i will say this I, I respect the position the office of the president but in america here um <clears throat> i'm not fond of our our current uh, president and I just feel like the uh, you know there's a coronavirus task force and there are so there are different political people on that task force our vice president uh, uh, vice president Pence is uh, the head of that task force yeah and then we have the health officials that come out and the health officials are straddling the line of, of uh, trying to keep a job. I was just going to say they want to keep kicked out. Yeah, I was just going to say they want to keep that gig, but then they also have their professionalism, which says they have to tell the people the truth about the situation. That, right. That's not a good position to be in. Well, it's not good for them, but it all, I, I hate to say it, but it's worse for the people. Say it's, it's start, yeah, it starts at the head, though. Sure, and sure. If, if, if our president would uh, would have been more proactive in terms of wearing a mask and, and showing people how it's done a lot and and given the right direction instead of mixed signals to a lot of us, we'd be in a better place because right now it's every governor for themselves. But they, right. the governors take a tip from 
whoever's right. in charge. You know, it's, it's, it's a sad thing to watch. It's a frustrating thing to watch, you know, as an American living outside of the, the, the shores of America. I look back and I see what's going on and my heart hurts. It just, you know, I look at, I look at these uh, helicopters filming uh, lines of cars that might be, you know, a couple, three, four miles long of cars waiting to get food. Uh, yeah. And to see that level of suffering, that, that's not supposed to happen in our country. We've um, had over 40 million. It's, it's now something crazy, but that's been a while ago. But it was 40 some yeah. over 40, something like 42, 43 yeah. million people unemployed. And, and, and as you say, it, it, it has to do with the leadership. It doesn't have to be this hard on the people. If we had proper leadership, it wouldn't be. And I look at the situation here in Norway. And we don't have any problems. You know, we were shut down for as long as it took to keep things under wraps. Um, right. I'm not sure what the unemployment numbers are, but it's nowhere near, you know, double digit yeah. unemployment, nowhere near that. Uh, right. We don't have a problem. You know, our medical system is not stressed. You know, we have plenty of, of room if things were to blow up again. And uh -huh. I'm thinking, why can't it be like that back home? Well, the answer to that is poor leadership. You can't have yeah. you can't have the boss. You cannot have the president denying the seriousness of the situation and expect things to go well. It's not. It, it doesn't match. It, it just doesn't match. And I think the the worst uh, the worst part now looking into the future. Although we we just talked about the bleakness of you know doing these live performances in concert halls, which are not going to happen. Same thing with choirs and um, churches. You know people are not sitting next to it. it won't be a choir it'll be something you know people will be spread out but it's not going to be that but um the whole the the whole thing just looks uh it, it just looks so bleak to me and uh, i'm hoping that we can get on one accord with you know that we can find this vaccine and that we can still re respect each other uh by wearing masks and being protective one can only hope, but again, when I see when I see the situation in the White House, I don't think I, I think I think things are going to get worse. I think there's going to be more division. I think riots are going to start to start to flower up again. I think yeah. that more people are going to get sick and die. I think there's going to be more suffering. And there's not going to be, uh, which brings me to the point I was trying to make. I forgot my thought. The um, the the notion that everything was going to happen in waves, yeah. you know, and, and I still believe yeah, there may be another bigger wave that's coming, but we are still in phase one of these waves that they're talking about, at least here in America. And uh, but the, what we have found out is that it's like not really so much as a wave as it's been just almost a constant. Yeah. It just moves from, it moves from New, like New York was the epicenter and Washington state in the beginning. And they're at two ends of the United States. Yeah. Now it has moved to Florida and Arizona, Texas, Alabama, Arizona, yeah. um, California. They're seeing some of the highest numbers that we've got the, some of the highest numbers of this whole thing right now, but it just started basically in New York. Yeah. And I heard some and doctor, and I heard some doctor from the CDC this morning on uh, on television saying that when things start to calm down in this in the in, you know in Florida and Texas and whatnot, when it calms down there, that might be when the second wave wave so to speak hits 
goes back to New York, Washington Oof. State, and those places where it first started. So it's like, oh, man, you know, how, how long, how long <laughs> until, until things yeah. settle down again? So I don't mean to be bleak or whatnot, but I, I just say it just does not promise for a good future with this when we see how the president is handling it. Um, no, and 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 and, and I don't take any joy. I don't take any joy in saying that either. Right. Um, yeah, he was not my favorite person for this. <laughs> really? Uh, and, and we don't have to get off for talking yeah, about you yeah. know him so much. But but yeah, he was not my favorite. And I respect all people's uh, political parties and decisions or what they want to do. Sure. He was not my favorite uh, person person uh, to deal with this uh, before this, but. No. This where we are now is just at a terrible at a terrible place. And I will say that, you know, for those who say that oh, it was a hoax because we started out with it was a hoax. Yeah, this yeah. thing is real. I've had friends die from it. Oh, I, man. Got, I had I had coronavirus myself, although I wasn't uh, didn't do the official test. That's a, too long of a story. But I had it for a month and I went through all the symptoms and. It's amazing that, um, you know, I didn't uh, get hospitalized, but wow. it's, it's real. Wow. It's very real. I'm sorry to hear you have friends who passed away from it. Yeah. That's terrible. One of my friends in uh, Brooklyn, my best friend's uh, sister, her name was Cheryl, oh. and uh, she had some health complications, respiratory, all the while anyway, but it took her like in one weekend. Wow, man. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. Wow. You know, and unfortunately, I think there's going to be more more stories like that. More and more people are going to have more and more friends and family members who pass, and 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 it's because we we don't have the proper leadership at the top. But as you say, these govern there's some governors who are stepping up and doing what they have to do. Um, so we can only hope that 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 they see the light and 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 do things the way they're supposed to be done. Right. Our governor Cuomo here in New York. Uh, for the whole state of New York, uh, Governor Cuomo has been wonderful. He really had uh, stepped up to the task of, you know, just keeping us informed, um, doing the right things. And he really had a practical approach he did. to dealing with this. And, you know, no one likes to wear masks. No one likes to be socially distanced and no one likes to be out of work. But when you really realize that the choice is either... You stay at home and you stay self-quarantined or you die. Yeah. You know, there will be nothing after this. This, You know, you can miss these summer park barbecues and the beach yeah, and yeah. vacation. But if you don't miss these and sacrifice, there will be no more for you. And that's almost word for word what Governor Cuomo said. I watched uh, most of his press conferences and that is the, that is the message that he put out there. You know, you may not like it, but here are the choices. And the alternative is X, but you have choice Y over there. So let's do this to avoid that. And it just made right. sense. It just made sense. I could see him running for president. Maybe if, if not this time, it might be too late this time, but next election... After yeah. this one, I could see him running for president. I could, I could see him He's definitely running for president. And I, and I love his uh, brother too, uh, Chris. Chris, Cuomo. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's they're both uh, they're both good guys. I um, met uh, I don't know if I've ever met our governor, but I met Chris when we did. Um, I've done a lot of TV with uh, Patty, and we yeah. did the Today Show 
not the Today Show, Good Morning America one Sunday for Bryant Park, their outdoor uh-huh. park series. Uh-huh. And uh, he was one of the hosts working for GM, Good Morning America at the time. And so we talked That's a little right. bit. That's right. Yeah, he, I think that was his second gig ever. I think he started at Fox News and then he went to Good Morning America. Yeah. 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 He's cool people, though. He, he really seems is. like somebody would be fun to hang out with. Yeah, he would. Hey, let uh, me ask you something. Let me ask you something. Um, did you ever... Well, let me ask you this. Who is the most interesting celebrity or musician that you've ever met? You don't have to tell me any details about what you what you spoke about, but who is the one that, that you thought was the most interesting to meet? Um... <laughs> This is going to sound crazy, but I've met pretty much. I met, met a lot of people. Every, yeah, I, like I said, I haven't met Madonna, but everybody, pretty much, other than that, that is relative to music and any music that I had growing up, I met or know now. And um, we, uh, we actually got to perform uh, once for uh, Michael Jackson and Elizabeth Taylor, ah. and. They were right on. You can go on YouTube and look it up, you know, and uh, I think it was honoring her 65th birthday or something at the time. But just look at it up. Look up Patti LaBelle, Elizabeth Taylor birthday. Um, and we sang for Michael Jackson, met him uh, one time. Um, well, Prince used to uh, used to come to all of our shows. When oh, we he loved Patti. He loved Patti. Yeah. Yeah. And uh he performed with us uh, one night on stage. I think he's. we've done that twice. But just being around this greatness that not everybody can say that they even met the person or was on the same stage, you know, or even in the same building. And so I don't take it for granted, but, um, you know, just wonderful. It must be just, inspiring. Just, yeah. It, it really is inspiring. Now, there's some people, like I said, that goes back to that book. There's only one or two people in in uh, recording <laughs> and, and dealing with music. Woo! If I wrote a book about them, it would be scandalous. But I, I, can't, I can't do it. I have I have a similar thing, oh, but only only one. It is a, this uh-huh. is a this is a famous producer. Now people, now, people who know what I do with my writing and who I write for, they're going to know exactly who I'm talking about. But I uh-huh. can't get sued if I don't say his name. So right, right. Uh, this guy is a famous producer. He got his start in the middle to late 60s. So he's an older gentleman. Uh-huh. He has produced some very big names in country and rock, classic rock. Uh-huh. And... A friend of mine had, I had written a country album for a friend of mine, uh-huh. and he got this gentleman to produce that album. I was more excited than I've ever been when having, when having to do with music because of this producer who I respected, and I never in my life ever thought I would get to meet him or anyone like him. And when we got into the studio, he turned out to be the biggest jackass I've ever met in my life. Oh my God. Really? And, and it was, it, it was, I was, I was so disappointed. Wow. Now, and when I say he was a jackass, now here, here's where the bizarreness of that whole experience comes in. He was a jackass to everybody except for me. 
He was a jackass to the engineer. He was a jackass to all of the other studio technicians. He was a jackass to the band and to the main artist. But he loved me. Wow. And it was strange. It was just very strange. And, it, and when I say he loved me, I take no pride in that. It's almost, I feel dirty. <laughs> because he, right, right. because he was so friendly to me, and it was it was just strange. It got see that's one of the thing that things that akins me to your <laughs> to to your spirit because I would be the same way. I would be like, you know, some people would say, oh well, um, he or she didn't treat me didn't treat me bad, so I don't feel any way about them. Right, but I, but if you're treating my brother or sister bad that's in the room with me that i'm working with you you know i'm associated by that you know this, i don't have to always speak on it but i i really you know and then if it gets bad enough you will say something but yeah uh, i like it that you know you recognize yes. that even though uh, he was nice to you he was not such a nice person exactly yeah. and and the but there i the whole thing ended up <clears throat> to to actually be quite a beautiful experience. Um, the 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 artist who I had written the album for, of course, this was the opportunity of a lifetime for him to to get that exposure, not just in Norway as a country artist, but back home in the states. We're talking Nashville level, right, because right. of who this producer is, right? Right. So. This producer was so nasty in the studio that that they threw him out. Okay, and, oh, and wow. here's and here's another thing. This this studio is way out in the country. It's actually towards Sweden. It's closer to Sweden than it is to Oslo. I'll put it to you that way. Uh -huh. And they threw him out of the studio, but he needed to get back here to Drummond. So. Uh -huh. Because they were going to keep recording, and I was just there as you know to to coach him on his English pronunciation and maybe maybe uh, you know paint up some of the some of the lyrics I'd written so they could get uh -huh. by without me. So I drove this producer two hours back. Wow, yeah. to, to ask uh, oh, well just to get him out of the studio. So I, I'm sitting in the car alone with this guy who I who was both a, a legendary hero of mine, but I was very disappointed in. Mm -hmm. So the conflict, <laughs> the conflict of being alone with him in a car like that. But, but here comes the beauty of that whole situation. Um, I took him back to his hotel. He's in there for the night. And then the artist who was the main artist called uh -huh. a meeting with me and the artist himself and this producer at the hotel in the conference room at the hotel. Uh -huh. And, the producer said uh, at that meeting, he says, you know, if you get rid of your band, if you change your image a little bit, if you do as I say, I'll make you a star. I'll take you back to Nashville and I'll make you a star. And do you know what this friend of mine said? This artist said he looked this famous Nashville producer in the eye and he said, sir, I cannot do that. These people who you insulted are my friends and brothers. And if you want me to turn my back on them, then that says a lot about you. Have a nice day. I'm done with you. I'll Good. never forget. I will never, I will never forget that because the beauty in that situation is that he stood up for his principles. A lot of people would have been humming and hawing and trying to finagle their way into, you know, protecting their friends, but also getting that contract getting right, that exposure right. in Nashville. 
he turned his back on the whole thing and he did it for friendship and loyalty. I'll never and forget that. Will, that. And I'll that will come back, that. you know, in a, in a good way to, to, to him. Um, it has, we re we released the album anyway. So <laughs> I did, a, I did, uh, I'll tell you real quickly. I have, I have two, but real quickly. So I was doing this, uh, play in Detroit, a Christmas play, and I did it for two years. And the play is basically, we, it's about a two and a half month thing where we rehearse. And, um, so there was one situation where there was a white costumer and then there was this star of the show and the star of the show is a wonderful person um to me anyway i've never had a, had a problem with her and um but uh something went on and the costumer said you know and now this is a caucasian lady talking to a black lady she says after she gets fed up with something, she says, you know, you really ought to let me dress you. I do dress black women. Well, <laughs> she got slapped. Oh, oh <laughs> literally slapped. She got slapped Ooh. by this lady who's been nice to me. But I, but that was one. Yeah. Another time. And, and the, <laughs> the funny thing is, this has all been in musical theater. There was another time when I was playing um, uh, with... Uh, uh, a notable director here in New York who does plays. Uh, Broadway, he's done Broadway plays. He's a Tony Award winner. And uh, he said, well, John, I know you're working still with Patty and you can't go out uh, with us with this particular play. Um, at the time, he said, but will you just come to the, uh, the rehearsals while you can and help with some of the voicing of, you know, teaching them, doing some of uh, a couple of these recording artists they're going to use songs in the performance. So they wanted me to take those songs and translate the voices into something that would be better for theater. Okay. Yeah. If you understand. I do. The backing yeah. Music. Yeah. 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 And, and so I came in and I did all of that. Well, and some people might know who this is after I said, but <laughs> I'm not mentioning any names, but it was a married uh, duo, two separate stars in their own right. I think I know married. already. <laughs> I was I was friends with with the 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 guy for um, many years before he got married to this one. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> but she came into rehearsal because I had to redo some of her songs with the background singers, just the, the just their background parts. She came in. Oh, he doesn't know what he's doing. What's he talking about? And blah 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 blah. She went on. She. Gay, she really was another jackass, <laughs> and she showed out. So the director, who is a friend of mine, you know, I hate to say it, but I knew if I said something to the director, and which I had to because she was reverting all of my work back to her okay. original yeah. stuff. Yeah. I, so I had to mention it to the director. Well, she 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 got read the riot act. <laughs> read up one downside of that theater to the other. <laughs> to the, uh, yeah. John, and I think he, you should write that book. Words. I think you should write the book, man. <laughs> <laughs> and the girls, and, and as far as long, the, this couple is no longer married now, but for as, and I, the thing that crushed me about it is that I always thought she was so beautiful and yeah. like she sang, you know, her voice and the way that she molded, 
emoted the songs, you know, it was just like it was like a beautiful person, you know, a beautiful personality. But her in person was a train wreck. I tell you, that, that's so disappointing. You know, you yeah. get this you get this image up of who the 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 artist or the or, or the celebrity is, and then you meet them, and then it it, it I don't know that disappointment. It blows it. I will, your mind. I will say this. I met uh, the famous producer, Eddie Kramer. Uh, you know, uh-huh. he, he's sound engineer for Woodstock, Jimi Hendrix's producer, uh-huh, Led Zeppelin. Uh-huh. I met him. Uh, I got to speak with him for about 20 minutes. Um, he was here in Norway. He, had, uh, he was backing a band, um, some crazy metal band, a bunch of long-haired kids just playing that cra- crazy music. Very talented, but but that kind of metal stuff is not quite my thing. Uh-huh. But anyway, that's that was right. the project. And before the release concert, which was in Oslo, they had a song contest where any band could send a song in to Eddie Kramer. Or for, well, they sent it into his record company, and then if you passed the muster there, it would get sent to Eddie Kramer. And I think right. there was like ten songs that he evaluated himself, and he was going to announce the winner. At, uh-huh. at the at the uh, the release party, so I was so cheeky, if I can use that word. I submitted uh-huh. a song that was very uh, R and B and soul. Uh-huh. I submitted that song to this 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 contest for metal <laughs> songs, but it got me the right amount of attention. Uh-huh. Um, of course, I didn't get chosen, but uh-huh. I did get invited to the release party. And I uh-huh. did get to speak to Eddie Kramer for 20 minutes. Wow. And, I, and I did get invited to do his, um, they had a, uh, a company party uh, um, for, for the record company uh, down on the coastline, down in southern Norway. It was a, it was a party for, the, for his company, and I got uh-huh. to perform there. Wow, see how things work? So that so things work, you know, musicians, artists, you know, actors and actresses, you can't be afraid to stick your feet in unknown waters you know i submitted an r&b song to a metal right. contest yeah and this is what came out of it right but i guess the point of it is is that meeting eddie kramer was totally unexpected but he turned out to be exactly the good-hearted person that i'd always heard about in the media uh-huh. he was uh-huh. that guy and you kind of wow. get a feel for that when you get to talk to someone like that for as long as 20 minutes you can tell if they really want to talk to you or not you can tell if they mean what they're saying and it right, just it right. was very refreshing to to talk to that guy and and just experience that he was the good person that i thought he was well you know you you've done what one of my um uh, every now and then i talk to young people about the do's some of the do's and don'ts in the music <laughs> industry and you know for aspiring artists you know these are like high school kids that want to do and i always tell them uh, number one, have a have a plan. You have to have a plan, uh, especially because a lot of them want to move from one city to another. Yeah. Say, you know, move from, you know, uh, Ohio somewhere to New York City or move to L.A., but they don't really have a plan. So I always tell them to, you know, have a plan. But what you just did was one of the th- mistakes that I think that I made very early on is that I would do my gig and I would just go to, I wouldn't go to any parties, no okay. parties, no socializing, no nothing. And so I know that, you know, at the time, Patty thought, well, what were you, you went out to the club, you went partying, <laughs> you went, 
I wasn't doing that. I would just do my gig and go off and be by myself. Right, right. And I, I would not do that. And I can't. you can't always be on every party. But I will say this, you know, um, you do have to, you know, as you have uh, just uh, witnessed to us, you have to be um, out there a little bit. You've got to put yourself out there to yeah. connect yeah. with some people. That's the way you make you, you make anything happen. Connections. Who would have thought you would have done, uh, you know, uh, uh, submitted an R&B song for a heavy metal <laughs> <laughs> thing and still got what you got out of it? Right. Exactly. So you, you, you sometimes you just have to dare to do something that you wouldn't expect of yourself. Yeah. You know, if I could I throw agree. if I could throw advice out there to a young musician or a young artist or a young actor or actress is is it's that, you know, you cannot be afraid to do something that you normally wouldn't do. Just do it and see what the result of it is. Right. You have to be yeah, daring. Yeah. You have to be daring in other words. Right. I agree. I agree. And and the and the younger uh and I'll say the younger that you start um you know, doing some of this stuff for the preparation. It's also when uh, I, I also tell people, uh, I, I cannot tell you the number of art students. And when I say art student, like School of the Performing Arts. Okay. Yeah. Um, it, how many of them I have, um, I've worked as an a, a auditioner for several different people. America's Got Talent uh, is one of them that I did, but I cannot tell you how many auditions I've done uh, in terms of me being somebody who was hiring or, you know, approving talent. And you get all these students from the arts that come in, but no one has taught them a class on uh, presenting themselves at an audition or how to act. They come in instead of, you know, you've done four years of vocal, <laughs> vocal lessons and you come in and then uh, you say, what do you want me to sing? Oh, well, what, boy. Well, what do you want? Well, what do you want to sing? Well, I don't know. Let me, uh, I don't know. That's well. terrible. How could they get to that position and not know what they want to do? And how can you come to an audition that's clearly for, say, Beauty and the Beast or The Lion King and not have researched something from that <laughs> genre to sing, you know? Well, you know, that, I don't that, understand. Well, that, that's a lack of mentoring. Those those young kids need a mentor. They maybe they count on I don't you know I don't know maybe maybe that is the downfall of or the the, the byproduct of all of this reality TV. All these young people see are other young people who are just famous. They they're just all of a sudden there and they're famous and they don't see any value in mentoring or in preparing themselves for that fame that they desire. Right, and the, and and that will be the thing that will make you or break you in a lot of the you'd be surprised just your general energy sure You're like well he came he or she came in and she wasn't prepared she didn't know what the audition was for she fumbled around she kind of wasted our time for two or three minutes when we've got hundreds of people to see today next yeah yeah no ain't you, know, nobody, you could have the most the greatest voice in the world as they say in the streets and ain't nobody got time for that <laughs> <laughs> nobody <laughs> <laughs> oh my god but yeah they need a. I, I think they really need a class in sure in, in 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 these performing arts schools and in college they just need a uh class it can be one semester or it can be just a two-week thing that they can include but they need to know what you do 
because I see, you know, this not only happens in music, it happens in the, uh, you know, the business professional right. world where people don't come dressed appropriately. Yeah, they don't come yeah. knowing they don't have a proper rest. It's all about a lot of it is about preparation. If you were to ever be offered a gig as maybe a college or university teacher to teach a course like that, would you say yes to that, John? I'd say yes to that. Yeah. In fact, I was, uh, because of this uh, coronavirus situation that's happening, I was thinking about uh, some of the jobs I've been offered over the years. And yeah. uh, one of them was at Berkeley School of oh, Music. Yes. And my friend tried to get me there for over a year. Um, but I didn't take him up on the offer. Why not? Uh, and, and now I'm thinking, well, at the time when he offered, I had just moved from Washington, D.C. to New York. And I was actually commuting back and forth on the weekends to do a minister of music position um, at that church in, uh, in uh, D.C. So once I finally got that settled where I didn't have to go to D.C. anymore, then he offers me this thing going to Boston. And it started out with, oh, we'll get you a place on, um, you know, it's right off campus. They'll, yeah. you know, put you up and it'll be one day. And I could see that the one day was going to quickly turn to two and three. <laughs> uh, and all of a sudden you're and living just, in Boston. <laughs> yeah. And that was not the plan. <laughs> okay. Now that would have been a heck of a gig, though. I mean, that is a well-respected school of music. But, it, but you were, I don't know, is it, is it your gig with Miss Patty that kept kept that from being a, a, a permanent gig for you? Um, well, I will say this. It's that it, t to a certain degree, um, it is. But one of the things, um, you know, I had my own dreams and aspirations as far as, uh, you know, doing music. But the other thing is that Patti LaBelle is like, she and Whitney Houston were like two of my all-time, my top two singers uh -huh. that i loved and so then to just get a job who would have known that i would have gotten a job yeah, yeah um to that so there have been things that i have had to turn down because of my love for her and the fact that if she loves you and and you're doing you know you're doing all of uh the right musical necessary things that uh she will keep you and there and 30 years legitimate work that's legitimate work. Yeah. Everybody doesn't yeah. have that stability and, you know, you've music. Had, yeah, like we said at the beginning, you've had 30 years of stability and solid work and 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 I'm sure it's, it's and I'm sure it's been a great learning experience. Um, you know, I don't know how much she shares with you about the business end, but you probably see enough of that on your own, you know, on the business yeah. end of things. Uh, enhanced because you have the gig that you have, but for all that it gives you, um, uh, I can imagine that it has also kept you from realizing certain things that you aspire to do on your own. Yeah, you I'm not trying to cause any trouble, but I'm just I'm no, not, no, 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 yeah, no, no, no. I'm just making an, making that observation that there might be something that you've uh, uh, quite a few things maybe that you've had to pass by because it would conflict with your current gig with, with Miss Patty. Right. Yeah, and there, there have been some things that I've had to pass by. Um, like basically, um, most of the musical theater that I was doing, you know, I couldn't do anymore. I have done a show, an off-Broadway show here about Moms Mabley 
Um, and I've done that. I did a couple of things with that before. But there's some things that I just can't get involved in. And there have been many times when I've been called by, you know, some people in the music industry work for more than just one artist. Yes. They work yeah. for, you know, they work for other artists. Um, um, and uh, like uh, Stephanie Mills is a friend of mine, but I've worked oh, with her before. But I, I know they kind of stopped calling. They, they, they kind of stopped calling me after a while because it seemed like every time she needed, um, you know, I would go and fill in for either a singer or a musician. But then it got to the point where every time she called me that she was in an emergency, I had a gig with Patty that we I did. see. Yeah. And it did, it went back and forth like three times with right. different dates. And it, uh, you know, so it just didn't work out. Stephanie Mills, can you tell her there's a country boy from Ohio living in Norway that just loves her? Yeah, I can. I <laughs> can will. you do that? <laughs> I will. I bet she doesn't have another fan like me. <laughs> a country boy <laughs> from Ohio living in Norway. <laughs> in Norway. I'll tell her. I'll Man. tell her. Well, you, um, I want to, let, let me wind this down. We've been talking for a good hour and a half, but I want to thank you, uh, John Stanley. You, you, um, I don't want to say I'm glad you had time to do this because you had time to do this because of the COVID situation and, and lack of, a, of, of work right now. But, but I am glad that you were able to do this. I've, I've been wanting to do this actually for quite some time, but I, you know, I'm, I'm always watching on your social media feed and, and every time I would think, okay, let me call John. Let me call John and get him on this podcast. I would see that you had a gig or that, you know, it would be on a Sunday and I knew you were going to be doing the church, you know, so right. this, this was good timing now. No, this was, this was perfect, but I would have done it before, but sometimes I am a, uh, that's the other thing is, you know, sometimes that's one of my sins. I procrastinate sometimes. Uh, you too? And, you as well? Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but, uh, I'm a procrastinator and, and sometimes, you know, uh, it's, I don't know, just different things in life happen. But all you had to do was ask. And it, for instance, I know that you asked me something recently about um, when the coronavirus thing had first started out doing. And I think I got back to you a couple of days later. But I was like, well, I was like, well, obviously the time has passed. He's not interested anymore. I guess he wanted my, he wanted an instant. <laughs> I was wondering at that time and you didn't answer. So that was it. <laughs> oh, man. Well, hey, listen, and that's the way it goes sometimes. No, but uh, in, in all seriousness, we, we talk about you on, on a regular basis here uh, and, and Terrence Talley as well. I, you know, and I should call him up as well. Uh, because the interesting thing with Terrence is, like I said, our families, uh, his family and mine, knew each other um, uh -huh. uh, before we Back were in even, Ohio, right? Yeah, in Ohio. Yeah, we went to the same went to the same church growing up, and uh, and Terrence was I'm not sure how old he is, but he's at least a couple years older than me. So he was always like one of those. Um, you know, when you're kids, if somebody's maybe only a year or two older than you, you think they're like, they have so much more life experience. So we looked at Terrence as a hero, uh, me and uh -huh. my sister. And uh, I would just love to get Terrence on and just reminisce about those old days. I don't know how interesting yeah. that would be for my listeners, but it would be interesting for me. <laughs> it would be interesting for me. <laughs> he, I'm, and I'm sure, he, I'm sure he would do it. I don't know. Um, I haven't talked to him uh Recently, it's it's really been crazy. You know, we we mostly do like, you know, like a little Facebook yeah. chat or something. But 
you know, um, and we usually talk a lot when it comes to doing some singing stuff. But yeah, yeah, every everything is just shut down. Everything, it's really bad right yeah, now. Yeah, everything is literally shut down. It's just, well, I don't know. All we can do is cross our fingers and hope that the 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 good leadership from the governor of New York, uh, Governor Cuomo, stays positive and and supporters supportive as he's doing so that when things are able to open up they it'll it'll do so in a in a responsible way and and uh hopefully some of these concert halls will start opening up hopefully some yeah. of these opportunities to start performing again will open up i mean that's uh that's your gig that's your thing and you and you know i'm not just single-sided i mean this is this is not just a u.s problem it's not just a norway problem it's global it's global it's, it's global. It's, it's, and, and I know that there, I forgot, uh, there are certain countries now, um, you know, and I think the U.S. did it at one time, but, you know, we're not traveling to different countries because... Uh, we just had our vacation canceled. We were supposed to go home. I was going to see my the rest of my family in Ohio, um, but our plane got canceled. They, 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 they refused uh, to fly to, to the States because of the, the, uh, the corona situation. Wow. So there goes and our I vacation. I was thinking about, I, I've got friends that go on uh, cruises regularly, and they had already yeah. had two cruises, and um, they were all canceled. And at first, they weren't going to, I think the company wasn't going to give back the money, but then they realized they had to. Yeah, we, yeah, we got we got all of our money back, so that was a good thing. But it just, um, I, I feel it in my very soul, uh, that, that the disappointment of not being able to go home for this vacation. But... Yeah. Um, on the vacation is, is one of the ways that that most of us, for me it is, but it's, it's one of the ways that I actually do feel rejuvenated. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, you have to do that. You got to charge those batteries, uh, and, and you do that by, by, by turning your back on the hustle and bustle of your day-to-day -day gig and, and going away somewhere. But on the positive side of things, uh, instead of traveling back home to the States, we might... Uh, jump in the car and uh -huh. it'll be it'll be a three-day drive up to our other home way uh -huh. up way up north way out in the middle of nowhere right by the ocean when you see me posting pictures of reindeer and stuff running across my property that's our other home way up north is this the one that's in the mountains that's the one that's in the mountains yeah yes yeah, yeah. that's beautiful yeah i you know i I, you, you have to marry right. See, I married into that. So, uh, <laughs> and, that, and that you did. And that I did. Wow. But listen, John, I, I really appreciate this. It's been a lot of fun. I think, um, I think my listeners have, uh, have gotten a little lift from hearing your story. I think you have a motivating story. And, hey, uh, well, I appreciate it. I hope I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, terse and, uh, and just uh what do you call it disrespectful and just no. uh, i just hope i'm not bumming everybody out no no you know and the things we talked about politics and the president and the white house and whatnot you know that's i would hope that people, reality i would hope that people would tolerate that we have the view of things that we have and that we have the opinions that we have so yeah it's not a political podcast but it, but but right. we talk about whatever we have on our hearts and and you can't help if you're a thinking, feeling person, then the political situation is on your heart. So we talk about, you know, we, we talk about it. It's, it's on our heart. We just talk about what's real. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right, John, much love to you. Uh, much respect for you. Um, and I'm excited to see what happens. I, uh, get that solo album out. Get that solo I album. I know, out, I man. know, I know. 
Get Look, that. love, love to you and your wife and uh, and the kids. Yeah, and don't and don't send me send me any more pictures of lambs, please. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. Okay, I can say that, but there's worse things. There are worse dishes than that lamb's head. I can. Oh, I'm, su- I'm sure. <laughs> you, I'm sure. You believe me? Okay. Oh, don't want to don't want to see it. <laughs> well, thanks a lot for doing this, John. I appreciate it. Much love Thank to you. Thank you, John. You too. All right, everybody. The fantastic. Good friend of mine, John Stanley. Bye, everybody. I'm coming home. Yes, I am. Yes, I'm coming home. I'm coming home. Yes, I am.